0: Two afternoons with Bill Arnold. I am Bill Arnold, and I'm awfully glad that we're going to have some time together today. I'm looking forward to Monday because I always like Mondays. Patrick Albanese will be joining me in just a second. Then the Monday afternoon uh, mix will happen after that. And then, hour two, Dr. Heather Hollerman will be with me for the full hour. So, I'm looking forward to the program today. I've been excited to spend time with you. And I've got my Bible open to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verses 3 and 4. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the, comf- and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Isn't that lovely? What a great thought to think that God has comforted you. and Now you can turn around and comfort someone who is in need because that's what we need to do as the body of Christ, to be with each other and to comfort one another and love one another. So, I want to get the day started like I always do on Mondays, a little on the light side with my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, Patrick Albanese. Patrick, welcome.
1: The the great state of Iowa, where it is currently about 70 degrees, by the way.
0: That is so nice. And you're you was sent, it you sent, three
1: you, weeks ago? We set some sort of cold record. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah was, oh yeah, I sent you a picture. You sent me a picture of your yeah. dog out on the deck in the sun. It's a lovely day there in in lovely Des Moines. So, thanks for sending that. Yeah.
1: Oh, it took me like an hour to get the uh, the sunscreen on him. He just does not like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can protect the back too.
0: And he's the kind yeah. of dog that once you start petting him, he doesn't let you stop.
1: No, no. It's it's really quite amazing that he, you know he'll he'll either he'll sometimes he'll grab you with the paw. But uh, his preferred technique is: you were scratch me on the head, I'll just put my head back under your hand. I don't care. You can hide your own hand behind your head, <laughs> and he will, he'll work his way back there and say that hand is for my head. You start scratching.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, it's it's uh, pretty funny. You, you you have to get up and leave. Yeah, like he will, he you know he'll stake out a position on the couch, uh, and that's it. It's like, you know, as if you're going to sit on this couch, you have work to do. Yeah. And the only way to get out of it is to give me the couch alone. So there's something uh, we
0: like, lov- there's something lovely about that. The dogs know how to ask for what they need. I think we could all learn something yeah. there.
1: Yeah, I, I sometimes, you know, and I, of course, the pleasure of just having a, a dog is is worth you know, going through the training, the puppy phase and everything. But sometimes you say, exactly what am I getting in this relationship? <laughs> <laughs> I feed you, I clean up after you, yeah. I take you on walks, I do all these things, then I have to scratch you. And then when you decide you want to play and I'm lying in bed, that's we have to play. I have to get back up and we have to play. And and what do I get? Well, he snubs me when my <laughs> wife gets home. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm just, I'm like a placekeeper until yeah. she gets and he puts on a show. When she walks in the door, I said, "I had no idea you had that in you." You don't get that I'm show, never, do you? I've never seen anybody that excited. Yeah. Wow! It's, I should I should videotape it someday because you'll you if I showed it to you, you would also say that's it's embarrassing. You yeah, you're actually <laughs> you're embarrassed for the dog. Mm-hmm. You see, you're just so obvious. Yeah. Oh, well, I want to
0: find out what happened over the weekend. And I didn't stay up and watch that Harry and Meghan interview last night with Oprah, but I I did hear that their goal is to live authentically, which I find interesting if they're doing that at their $14 million mansion.
1: That's not easy. I mean, I think the first thing you have to do is fire the butler's maid. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you got to cut back a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) That's interesting. We're we're not going to spend money like crazy here
0: right if you want to live authentically i thought that was kind of interesting
1: it's it's i saw an aerial picture of the mansion and uh, i will say that one of the things they have one of those you know fancy backyard playground sets uh Mm -hmm. but it wasn't top of the line so i can definitely see some scrimping and saving going on there you know (laughs) I've seen the the top-of-the-line one that's, you know, $10,000, and this was probably in the $7,500 range. Mm -hmm. You know, you make sacrifices.
0: Yeah, you do. You do. All right, CDC announced uh, new health guidelines for those vaccinated against COVID-19, saying those individuals can gather indoors with others who are fully vaccinated with no precautions but must still adhere to masking and social distancing in public places. You guys are pretty mask-free in Iowa, aren't you? for the most part. We're
1: pretty mask free. And I would say, you know, the CDC comes out with this recommendation. I, I, I said to myself, well, so what you're saying is, so two people that are vaccinated can gather indoors and take their masks off. I'm pretty sure we've been doing that for a pretty long time <laughs> here. I mean, mm-hmm. it's uh you know, some of it is I've had it. Uh, my mother-in-law's had it. And, uh, uh, her two sisters who are in their eighties finally have both of their vaccines. And, uh, you know, they had to wait, I think it was 10 days after shot number two before they could, you know, officially go out. Well, I think uh, my wife spent three days. I am not exaggerating. Uh, I say, I said, you hit for the cycle. Uh, they will spend all day in like a TJ Maxx or a Burlington Coat <laughs> Factory. Mm-hmm. all the discount places. And they do a combination. They buy things they want and they buy things that are so ugly that they can only be used as one of those white elephant gifts for Christmas. And so they spent three days, they spent three days and they didn't just go, they would go to like all three TJ Maxx's in town. We got to go to the other one. They have better junk. It's like trying, they battle over who has the nicest stuff, which dollar store has the best stuff.
0: Fantastic.
1: (laughs) They're all a dollar. Yeah. So, uh, you know, people are, people are feeling comfortable anyway. And they're wanting, I, I have proof by the way, that people are ready to go out. I had a dentist appointment the other day and I asked my dentist how, you know, has it been busy? And she said, "The busiest we've ever ever been." I said, "That's how desperate people are to go out they're actually going to the dentist.
0: They're so lonely. <laughs> no. They want companionship so bad they'll go to the dentist."
1: Yeah, she said, "I've got people coming in that I haven't seen in 3 or 4 years." Wow. I said, "Wow, people really do want to get out." They're like, I guess I'll go get that i get that, that tooth looked at. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So last Friday at my Bible study, we were talking about boasting. And I came across this this morning in my quiet time. This is out of James chapter 4. It says, mm-hmm. uh, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that as it is. You boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. And when I was thinking of that, uh, the sovereignty of God and the thought that my next breath comes at his mercy— And I think of some of what I've heard on the news, and it's a clip that you sent me that uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo uh, said, and he said this. This was uh, a couple of months ago. He said, the number is down because we brought the numbers down. God did not do that. Fate did not do that. Destiny did not do that. I was thinking, does that that sound like arrogance and a a scheme?
1: An Uh, arrogant scheme. it doesn't sound like humility, No, it doesn't. Uh, which by the way, I did win an award for humility once. I remember that one. Yeah. That's in the trophy case. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I sent that to you cause I, and, and, and the reactions to it, you know, people said, Oh, what is it with you Christians? You know, you'll give God credit for things, but you know, it's people that are doing things. And, uh, I said, well, you know, I felt that they were missing the point anyway, the point was, is that uh, whether you want to give God the credit for good things or not, he was taking the credit, uh, whether he deserved it or not. Right. You know, he, he, what does he really know that it was due to him? And the thing that was, I think, even more particularly ironic about that is that clip was from a couple of months ago. And since then, it's come out that he was— messing a little bit with the numbers of the deaths in the the retirement homes and the long-term care facilities and even with you know some of the deaths in New York completely so it's like you were not even being honest when you were taking the credit for having battled this virus and saying I did it we did it meaning me and it turned out actually you, you didn't do it not only did did you not do it in the sense that you know God's in charge, but you didn't even do what you said you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but I wonder if arrogance can kind of lead to that sort of bravado where uh, you just say, well, I'm just going to take the credit well, for something that didn't even happen.
0: Certainly is, is the case. You and I both know people in the entertainment business who get admired all day long. They're told they're wonderful. And somehow mm-hmm. they become an expert on literally everything.
1: Yeah, it's I used to have this it was an observation I had when I was living in the Hollywood area for so long like you know why people always say what is it with celebrities that you know they always speak out on things I said you have to understand the environment they're in you know first off they they're told by everybody around them that they're brilliant uh cuz nobody wants to tell them otherwise uh it's, it's it's not a recipe for a happy day so but the other thing is is there's a thought process that uh that they go through that says you know um smart people are successful i'm successful, so I must be smart. therefore, people should hear my thoughts on just about everything you know and and of course, most of us in the real world understand that there are some areas of their areas of life that I know a a great deal about, not many, and there are a great many areas of life I know very little or nothing about, and I try to be always aware of where that line is and it's it's difficult sometimes, but I, I'd rather err on the side of, you know, uh, downplaying it. You know, I, I, I think I don't know if I've ever told you the story where I was, I was working in a, in a restaurant once, and uh, I was studying Japanese because I was going to go over there, and I was pretty good. Uh, you know, I mean, I could get by, uh, but I would never have called myself fluent. I'd said I can do it, and I met a woman at the restaurant that said, well, I'm fluent in Japanese. And I said, really? And then I tried a couple sentences out on her and she didn't understand me. <laughs> I said, well, where did you, where did you uh, learn Japanese? She says, oh, from watching Shogun. And I, I thought, well, you watched a miniseries <laughs> and you're and you now claim to be fluent in Japanese. Now <laughs> I've never been that bold in life. So, you know, uh, I, I think you, you know, you would say the same thing. You'd say, you know, I'm, I think I'm pretty good at, you name something it might be something you're actually very good at, mm-hmm. but you would never inflate it the other way. You right. would never say, "Here's something I am fantastic at." uh you and I both talk about playing the banjo and that we're not very good. Well, speak for and yourself, heard us. They would know we were bragging, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're not that good, so she Believe claims
0: she could speak fluent Japanese from watching a miniseries That's fantastic.
1: Yes. That's where I learned how to handle a samurai sword, by the way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Let me Uh, take uh, our one and only break that we have with this uh, segment. Patrick Albanese is my guest. And when we come back, we're going to continue finding out what's going on. We'll be right back. start the Monday. Patrick Albanese is my guest, and we are uh, starting today the uh, trial of Derek Chauvin, and that's going to be probably one of the most closely watched court cases in U.S. history.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I think uh, the O.J. Simpson trial was huge, Mm -hmm. and uh, the Rodney King trials uh, were pretty huge, but this will probably be bigger. Um, I saw people were already out in the streets in Minneapolis today, almost – I hate to – I don't know how to phrase it, but it was almost like saying this better come out the way we want. It it, it felt like they were protesting. This is before a trial has even begun. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we can get a fair trial.
0: Yeah, and they've, nope. yeah. they've already spent a, a million dollars in fences and razor wire. I think they have completely surrounded three or four police precincts, so it is going to be an interesting – um, several weeks. I don't know how long the trial will take, but I would imagine several weeks.
1: I imagine. Yeah. Uh, if, if they don't, I'm kind of surprised they're having it there. I, I can't understand why they didn't try to move it to a, a different venue and, you know, maybe, you know, do it in, uh, I don't know. I guess you have to do it in the state of Minnesota, but maybe in a, you know, take it up to the border, take it up to international falls yeah, or something. Like
0: I get that, but that wouldn't stop the protesters in any city, anywhere. I mean, this could could happen across the country, more protests.
1: I just, you know, what I don't like about it, and this has, you know, I'm not trying to predetermine the outcome of anything, but no matter what, uh, you have to imagine being on that jury is a high-pressure position to be in because you're going to try and weigh the evidence, but you also know that, let's just say the evidence does not point to guilt, that you're going to have that on your head too.
2: people
1: mm-hmm. that people might take to the streets. It's, um, and it's, it's, it's a very tough way to get justice if there's always that threat of, of a riot or, or violence. If you know, it's, it's, it's the old, you know, in until you're sitting in that courtroom and hearing the evidence, uh, as presented, I remember talking to an attorney once and everybody liked to make fun of that McDonald's hot coffee case.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and uh, she got the a woman suit and got a bunch of money and everybody would make fun of it and say, Oh, this is ridiculous. People should know that coffee's hot. Well, he happened to know the details of the case. And when he spelled them all out, I said, they're guilty. Hmm. It's like, I did not know all that stuff. He says, of course, you didn't know all that stuff. You did not know all that stuff. You picked a narrative, you picked something that sounded right. You weighed what little evidence you had and came to the logical conclusion with that little evidence. But until you get all of the evidence, you cannot make a rational, real decision, and the jury's going to get that information. So, uh, you know, we all want justice, but uh, we also don't want a guy to get convicted that maybe the evidence doesn't point to that. It's mm. tough, it's a tough place to be.
0: Will the jury ever be made visible throughout this court case, or will they be behind a certain protective uh, wall so they won't be seen?
1: What would you ask for if you were on that jury? Uh, privacy. Yes. Maybe a new identity. A <laughs> yes. Relocation program. Exactly. Like, you know, I, I could use a place in the Swiss Alps. That might help me. Uh, uh, I know. I, I would want privacy, uh, and I would like anonymity, too. Yeah. You know, if, and if after after the case, if they want to—and I think that's normally you get anonymity, and if you decide you want to step forward and explain to people why you, you know, voted the way you did, you can you know, I'm hoping that nobody's on the jury that's just seeking their own 15 minutes of fame either, because that could, you know, make the case go either way. Somebody could say, "I want to get on that jury to convict him," or "I want to get on that jury to make sure he does not get convicted." Uh, and then I want to get on a talk show, and you know, and then I want Oprah's job. I, you know, I mean, uh, sadly, we do live in a time where people try to parlay things into uh, their own personal. Uh, fame and fortune. And uh, I just hope that doesn't, you know, I'm, I'm hoping for a nice, fair trial. Mm-hmm. And Is it
0: possible? <laughs> I, I don't know if it is possible, but I would certainly uh, hope and pray for the safety of everybody involved, including the people that would like to protest and the lawyers and the jurists and everybody else, the judge. I mean, there's, there's going to be a, a lot of uh, tension coming up in the next several weeks.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know you can't please everybody, but if they were to say, if they were to vote on the side of acquittal, I would I would hope that the evidence is so overwhelming that some people that were convinced of his guilt might look at it and say, OK, I get it. I get why they didn't convict and vice versa. Uh, You know, I I hope that people that are have already made up their minds one way or the other, if the decision doesn't go their way, I hope that there's enough evidence presented that they can look at and and hopefully be fair, fair enough to say, oh, I see this. I can see why it went the way it went. Um, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I knew a guy working on the, he was a newsman covering the OJ Simpson trial. He used to come into the magic castle where I worked every night and he would always tell me, he says, well, you don't see a lot of this stuff. And just because you watch the news, you know, and he told me ahead of time that, uh, there would not be a conviction. He says, they just don't have a strong enough case. You know, he, his personal opinion was, I think he did it, but their case is weak. Mm. And he predicted it weeks and weeks out. He says we don't need this whole thing. There's not, they don't have enough and they're not good enough lawyers to convince anybody. And his lawyers are better. <laughs> mm-hmm. So. So Patrick, one thing
0: I, I've always admired about you is, and I, and I think your mom has got something to do with this, is you knew and you knew how to build stuff from an early age. Your mom would say, you know, can't you build it? When you would want to yes. ask your mom, you know, can we buy this magic trick? And your mom would say, can't you build it? Now, you're building stuff. You've built stuff your whole life. You know how to fix and repair stuff. Is it mm-hmm. being passed on to your uh, son? I'm curious.
1: A little bit. Uh, you know, he he likes to, like, he he at 10 years old, he's actually a pretty good video editor. Okay. Um, he, uh, we were trying to submit him for a piano thing. He's sort of self-taught on piano now. And so he was shy about it and I wanted to make a video. I said, let me videotape you and I'll edit it together because he said, I can't get through the whole song without making a mistake. And I'd like to present five or six songs. He said, I'll just do it myself. And a half hour later, he comes out with five songs edited with there's morph cuts. There's graphics over it. He's 10 years old. He recorded his own a couple of songs he wrote himself in there. So that's where he's got the skills. Uh and you know, occasionally when I try to get them to pick up a tool to do just about anything around the house, it's sort of eh, that's a dad thing.
0: Mm, you know interesting.
1: I mean, uh, yeah, but I I wish it was passed on. And maybe, you know, he'll get more of an interest uh as um you know, I withhold allowance so that they can't buy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> just do what my mom did. You're just gonna have to fix it.
0: Yeah. And I was it you telling me that that high schools don't even necessarily offer wood shop and metal shop classes anymore. I mean, so even if I you know were was... a young kid wanting to learn more about that, you're not going to necessarily do it in high school, are you?
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, it's, it doesn't seem like you can learn it in high school. Um, you know, I took all of those classes. I did too. Uh, yeah. And boy, oh boy. Now, did you make the mistake of thinking they would be an easy A?
0: <laughs> no, I thought i if I can pass this, I'll be happy. That's what I thought.
1: Okay. Yeah, and I think some of them were re- required, but I remember, I mean, yeah, maybe the reason why they don't teach them is I remember taking the electronics class and, you know, day one, the teacher says, I want to show you, teach all you kids how the current flows, and uh, he had us form kind of a daisy chain where we're each holding each other's hands, and then one kid puts his hand on a metal table, and then... He grabs uh, like an electrode, and then the, t- the teacher takes like a jumper cable, touches it to the other side of the table, and all 27 of us get the shock of our lives. He says, that's how current flows. <laughs> so be careful. <laughs> I, you, know, somebody, you know, you get home from school. How was, how was school? So, well, uh, 27 of us almost got electrocuted. <laughs> other than that, <laughs> oh. it was a really cool demonstration. So, I, you know, they would do stuff like yeah.
0: that. Uh, But but I got to
1: build the risk in the middle class. I got to build magic tricks. Oh, cool.
0: But the risk of accidents are probably pretty high. It's probably one of the reasons they're not necessarily uh, doing that in high schools as much. And uh, one of the guys I work with, Carter, sent me this video of this incredible table saw that stops the minute it nicks something soft tissue. And it was uh, literally a hot dog being on the table saw the minute the hot dog nicked this whirling saw blade, it locked up and fell underneath the table. And I thought, oh. with just barely a nick on the hot dog, and I thought, the safety precautions and what they're able to figure out nowadays is amazing.
1: That That is, I I think, of some of the, okay, I I I don't I think I've, I've never told this to anybody, but I remember, you know, I was trying to get good paint finishes yeah, on. I don't think
0: we have time for the story, unfortunately.
1: Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. It was a
0: good one. We just save it for next time. <laughs> I will save it for next time. All right, time. Patrick Albanese has been my guest. We'll take a little break, and then we'll be up for the Monday afternoon mix. Be right back. It's time for the Monday afternoon mix. Pastor David Miles is here. He's a pastor at New Hope Church in New Hope, Minnesota, and also an adjunct professor right here at the University of Northwestern. David, welcome. Hi, Bill. Nice to see you.
2: Nice to see you. How are you doing, bud? I'm
0: doing good. We're going to talk today a little bit about, uh, does God love us? I think the answer is emphatically yes.
2: Well, it's definitely an emphatic yes. And, you know, before we before we came online, we were actually talking about some of the things that were going on this this past weekend, and and Bill, you mentioned you had been doing what?
0: Well, I'm still I'm still removing wallpaper. Yes. Yes.
2: And that can that can try the whole you know patience. Oh thing. yeah, yeah. And I love the fact you know because Rosie had brought up you know the whole thing about paneling, you know. And uh, paneling, you know, so you have all these various things that, you know, they come and they go. You kind of have these styles. And I remember, like, painting We you used to, like, paint one coat and then you put another one and take a little squeegee thing and make lines in it. <laughs> um, and I yep. guess, like, you know, that's really important to remember is that even though things change, even though there's various trends and things that happen uh, throughout life, in the world, one thing is constant, and that's God's faithfulness, and also God's uh, loving kindness, His loving faithfulness. That beautiful word, "hesed," so mm-hmm. that word, love. And so, yeah, so that that's actually a great segue. Uh, that fortunately, God's love isn't like the changing of interior decoration.
0: Exactly, exactly. And we're looking at a passage out of First John chapter four today, which I'm excited about. I love First John.
2: Yeah, First John four is, and this one's really worth just as we jump in, just read the whole thing, and then come back and 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 go over it because this is.
0: May I? It,
2: huh? May, you may? I? Please do. Thank you. I love that.
0: It's starting First uh, John chapter four, starting in verse seven. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us.
2: Amen. Amen to that. Amen. And we'll stop with that first section because, you know, it's a beautiful chunk. So asking the question, like, how is God's love seen? You know, interestingly enough, number one, it's seen in the cross of Christ— but it's also seen in how Christians love one another. So, you know, the beautiful thing is this passage starts off in verse seven Beloved, let us love one another, love us from God. Whoever's loved, been born of God, knows God. Whoever one does not love, does not know God. And here's this very succinct um, clause because God is love. And You know, this sentence, really, it's a summary and the most simple expression of Scripture that the whole of Scripture uh, teaches throughout this reality. You know, you you see uh, the Lord talking to Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and saying, "You you know, it's not because I chose you because you were the greatest or you were the most magnificent. He goes, no, because I loved you, you know, and as we talked about, in Exodus, that the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, uh, uh, showing loving kindness down to thousands of de- generations. And for those who are driving, um, one of the sweetest, sweetest verses is, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And that's the thing that happens in these next couple of verses. Verse 9, it, it's made manifest because God sent his son into the world to be a propitiation. Now, you know, Bill, what are some things that people like to say that they, quote-unquote, that they love? What are some things that you, you hear in everyday life where people are like, oh, I love
0: fill mm-hmm. in the blank? I love my kids, my grandkids, uh, my dog, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. What else? I love my house. love my car. love my uh, boat. love my boat. <laughs> <laughs> I love my, yeah, I it's usually stuff, isn't it? It's people and stuff.
2: People and stuff, yeah. yeah. You know, and some like say I love Snickers, you know. Snickers are, you know, it's like it's that that gooey nougat and yeah. you know that peanut. You, do you like
0: frozen Snickers or just warm Snicker bars?
2: Um, I like them both. Okay, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna you know discriminate against. Yeah, I them, like that. You know, I like that. And so, so we have all these things about love, and so we use the word like, I, you know, I, I love, the, you know with The Vikings, yes, painful love.
0: That is painful relationship. Yeah,
2: but in in the Bible, there's like four different Greek words for love. And so you have eros, which is sexual passion. You mm-hmm. have storge, which is family devotion. You have phileos, from which we get our our city Philadelphia, which is friendship. And then you have agape, and this is this word agape, which is throughout um, this section of scripture. Uh, is, is, is God-like, unconditional love. And, and this is what John is characterizing. You know, it speaks of compassion. It speaks of kindness. It speaks of unselfishness. And so it has this love that actually, you know, in definition, it looks for the highest good uh, in other people. Now, the other thing that's important here is that we don't love, you know, because it's just something we built up in, in ourselves. But God, he's the one who first loved you know, and so that's really an encouraging thing for, for the person who's like, you know what, I'm worthless. I, 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 have, I have no meaning. Like, who could love me? Well, God loves you. Mm-hmm. You know, and Scripture says that he loved you and that he also chose to send his son, um, that term that we talk about, the ultimate sacrifice, to give his son as an atoning sacrifice. Other, other versions here say propitiation. Yeah, you know, propitiation. So, like, that's that seems like a a a big mouthful.
0: It is a big m- mouthful.
2: <laughs> 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 Pro- mm-hmm. propitia-
0: propitiation.
2: Yes, and so uh, Stanley Grins, Doctor Grins, uh, in his, uh, his systematic book, he notes that propitiation is an offering that turns away the wrath of God directed against sin that according to the New Testament, God has provided the offering that removes the divine wrath for in love, the father sent his son to be a propitiation or an atoning sacrifice for human sin. You know, the beautiful thing, Bill, is that oftentimes people are willing to, to you know, do things for people. Uh, and sometimes they want to do things for for people that sometimes can give them something in return. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't what God did. You know, uh, Romans 5, 8 says that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we had nothing, you know, that we brought nothing to the table, that we were sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. The wrath of God is real. I mean, it's, it, the wrath of God against sin is real. And, and Romans five ten goes, For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, how much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life? And so this is one of the things is that in Christ we see this very loud yes. Yes, God loves you. Yes, and, and it's, it's, it's based upon what he has done. Now, the other cool thing here is that uh, John goes on to say, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And this is actually the, the clause of this. This tense is in a subjunctive, meaning we ought to, meaning we have a choice of, of, of loving one another or not. And he says, listen, no one has ever seen God if we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. Now we all have people that are a little hard to love, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, one of one of my uh, Andrea Tyson, who's our women's director, she I think the term she said uh, is EGR that we have have people who are extra grace required, and uh, I think my daughter Taylor would say that. Uh, about me because she'll she'll say like dad you know like we'll, we'll sit down and like I might take something out like chips to eat and she's like you're so loud you know and she'll like look at me you know that <laughs> that 12 year old look at me 12 mm-hmm. year old daughter look that's kind of like dad and I'm like what you know and I'm like I'm trying you know so I think for my daughter I'm I'm an I'm an extra grace required yeah. type of person
0: I got it I got a one-up story on you David <laughs> regarding this one it was told by Billy Joel, who was walking down Fifth Avenue with his daughter, who was about 12 at the time, and he was kind of s- singing as they were walking, and she was, like, mortified, like, Dad, can you not sing? <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, because kids, kids are embarrassed by their parents.
2: Yeah. Like,
0: Billy Joel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, David, I thought of this first two out of Hebrews, chapter 2— 17, therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people.
2: Mm. He understands. He gets it. You know, and, and I think um, sometimes as we're going through things, um, and we might wonder, like, you know... What are some of the reasons for that? And even as Christ is being formed in us, sometimes we're allowed to um, experientially feel the reality of pain in life so that even as we meet other people, we're able to minister to them from our deepest hurts, pains, and disappointments. And, and as Jesus lives his life through us to send a resounding yes to people who wonder, God, do you see me? Do you hear me? Do you know that I'm real? Um, we've been able to um, experience those things. But here's the thing. We're sinful and fallen. Jesus was perfect, you know, and eternal. So, like, he knew that he was going to the cross. You know, he knew, like, when Peter said, when when Jesus said, you know, who do the people say I am? And they're like, well, Elijah or John the Baptist. And he's like, well, who do you say I am? And, and Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God.
0: He's got chills.
2: Yeah, and it's like... Hmm. Um, and you know Peter, jesus like you know flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you you know god revealed that to you and you know and really on that note bill that's actually one of the most important questions that any person breathing needs to answer it's when jesus says who do you say i am you know not not what your parents though that can be wonderful, your grandparents your your teacher, your coach, your friend, but for each one of us, Jesus looking at us and saying, "Who do you say I am?" you know Sally, who do you say I am?" Lars, who do you say I am?" you know Bobby, who do you say I am?" John, you know, who do you say I am and jesus is is asking you that question um, and it's a question we need to answer
0: Now that we know the names of your four friends, I think I'll take a break. <laughs> <laughs> we listen to the Monday afternoon mix with Pastor David Miles. We'll t- take a short break. When we come back. We're going to continue our little study on 1 John chapter 4. Does God love us? Do we love God? We'll be right back. Kind of a mellow song for the Monday afternoon mix. That was mellow. Very
2: mellow. It must be the nice weather.
0: Must be. It's spring. It's springtime. <laughs> yes. Springtime light. I think there'll be more winter. Yeah, it'll snow again. You think so? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, it is
2: Minnesota, it's Minnesota. North Dakota.
0: Yeah. You know? yeah, right. yeah. All right. We're still in First John. We haven't gone anywhere. Chapter four. Does God love us, and do we love God? Let's talk about some of the grounds of our assurance. We find those in verses thirteen to twenty-one.
2: Yeah, I mean like we articulate our love for God and here's here's a really neat thing, you know, um verse uh thirteen opens and says, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he's given us his spirit. And so we've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit uh, as an internal witness. Um, you know, Ephesians chapter one, verse eleven talks about how we've been given the spirit as an inheritance, a down payment. Uh, for the glory that is to come. But Jesus had actually had said something about the Holy Spirit. And John recalling this, you know, you go back to John 14, and he says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. And so the Holy Spirit, that word parakletos it means, literally means comforted. It means one who comes alongside. I don't know, Bill, if you've ever been driving and you've had any car trouble or anything like that. I think so. Yeah, and there's, there's, this, there's this company that we know of, and it's called AAA. Yeah. You know, and, mm-hmm. and AAA is basically someone coming alongside of you and giving you resources, power, and assistance that you lack in and of yourself to get you on your journey. And the beautiful thing is that the Holy Spirit doesn't just come for a pit stop. The idea for the believer in Christ, he he lives inside of us. So as we deal with, you know, EGR, extra grace uh, required individuals or VDP very draining people, uh of which, you know, we we can be most draining. Uh we were we were having a training last night and and I said to our to our leaders, I said, you know, uh when it when it comes even to loving things, I, I know there's things that I do that 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 drive you crazy. Uh, because I live with me and I drive me crazy. So <laughs> so, so that reality, but God has given us the Holy Spirit to assist us in living out this love. Uh, not only do we have uh, the Holy Spirit, but part of our assurance is that we have apostolic witness. Verse 14, and we have seen and testified that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And when, when he says we, John is speaking about the apostles that have seen that. Um, John, 1 John 1, the first chapter opens up saying the word that which we've seen, that we've held with our own hand, that we've touched, um, this is the testimony that we have. So so this faith that we have, we have an internal witness of the Holy Spirit. We also have uh, an external witness of apostolic uh, testimony. And then this, those who have personally acknowledged Jesus as God's Son. Verse 15 says, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he uh, in God. And so um, my wife was was uh, having a conversation the other day, and, and the, um, the comment came up. And I'm trying to remember who she was talking to, but basically the, the, the comment had come up about, um, you know, church—going to church is, is a very—it's a good thing. You know, we can—we can, we learn, we, we come in contact with God's people, hear the, the preaching of God's Word— and then had made this, the comment of, you know, but sitting, you know, in a church no more makes you a Christian than sitting in a garage makes you a car. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be in your garage and go, I'm a Volvo, I'm a Volvo, you know. Um, and being careful that just mere association means identification. Like, I associate as a Vikings fan, but I'm a fan. But that I, the identification of what it is for a player is different. And God has made it possible through His Son, not for us just to know things about Him, but He desires that we would know Him. Matter of fact, First John 5 goes on, and John says this later in the book, and this is the testimony that God has given us and gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may—listen to this. I love this—that you may know that you have eternal life. Like, God doesn't do this kind of crapshoot, like, Mm -hmm. we'll throw dice today, or, or he loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. God's like, no, I've written these things that you might know that you have eternal life, and this is the confidence that we have towards him. So it's a beautiful thing um, that we have this very rich gospel.
0: Listener jumped in with a comment here, David. Uh, Scripturally speaking, God does not love everyone the way we view love. God loves his creation, but only has a relational love with those who are his. This is often not taught in churches and he quoted John 14:21 as an example which is whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me the one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them
2: yeah i mean the earlier when we were reading through Romans uh, 5 it talks about um, beforehand because of sin that we literally were enemies of god and that 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 the wrath of god uh, was poured out. I mean, that's the same thing that's spoken of in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And two. One says this. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Okay, so that's the reality of our state and sin, because God is holy and perfect. Mm -hmm. He is. Now, this also, verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you've been saved. So it's outside of us. Like, we can't earn... Um, God's love. I mean, like, we're sinful. We have to receive his free gift. And either you are going to be saved by what is done for you or what you try to do to save yourself. And because God is holy and pure, he abhors sin. That, that's, that's the reality. And so that's why in this show, where, wherever you're at while you're driving, we, we repeatedly say, you know, as Scripture says, if today you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Listen and, and respond to Jesus, for today is the day of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor.
0: Another verse that this listener added was Proverbs eight seventeen. I love those who love me, and those who seek me, find me.
2: Yeah. And God gives gives great ability to do that. And I'm glad, I'm glad this listener brought this up because it transitions to the fact that part of this passage is dealing with loving our brothers. Because you get to verse uh, 20, and it says, um, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from God, whoever loves God must also love his brother. And it has in mind here, like, really, this, this idea of saying, like, okay, I love, God's like, look, you're saying you love me, but you haven't seen me. But at the same time, you're hating your brother who you have seen. And God's like, look, it's Bill, it's not my book. I'm 50 years old. God's word uh, was here before I got here and will be here after I'm gone. It's eternal. Mm-hmm. And he says here, you're a liar if you say that. So, well, well, you know, Dave, I don't, I don't really, you know, hate someone. And here's the reality. The word there for hate is the word mizio. It has in mind an intense dislike, but also a, a slight division, just kind of a sliding of a person. So it, it's a very broad word. And so part of, you know, even for us, uh, this, this yesterday, there was a gathering of Twin Cities pastors from all over. And we were down at the government center with hundreds of other leaders, and we were praying because um, we're, we're, today started the jury selection for the George Floyd case, for Derek Chauvin's case. And and our country has a long history of people not loving their brothers um, in Christ. As a Ma- matter of fact, often the, the sad history is that there's, there's been great theology written by people who actually really despised and hated black people. And, and, and we, we have a long history of, and we've missed this, this imagery uh, that the Bible talks about picking up your cross, but, you know, we could speak of it as picking up your, 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 your extermination chamber for the Jew, but also picking up the lynching tree. And so God is like, when you're looking at someone and you're like, I really can't stand that person, you know, and I, I literally hate that person because you might have some disagreements on some minor things or even things that you consider major in your mind and not. And God's like, uh-uh, ah, you know, that, that's, that's, that's not love. John actually backs that up even more when in 1 John 3.15, um, because in one of the texts that we have, Dr. Ken Young is one of our esteemed uh, professors in the, in the biblical and theological studies department, and he wrote a book, The Trouble with Racial Reconciliation, and he talks about in one of his chapters with Dr. John Perkins of a person speaking uh, to Dr. Perkins and saying, you know what? Look, you know, my grandmother, she was a sweet, wonderful person, had this whole thing. She, she just really hated black people. But I'm really sure that she's in heaven. And uh, Dr. Perkins, like, that's up to God to decide. Um, but First John uh, 3.15, it, it says this. He says, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this, we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brother. And so, so this, now this gets to, this gets to, to big talk. So take two seconds here and think of the person that you literally disdain. You know, what, what terms you attach to him? You know, do you call him snowflake or, you know, liberal? Do you call them conservative? Do you call them them right? Do you call them left? Are you calling them various names? And are you throwing around these terms of division towards other brothers and sisters in Christ or then trying to find ways to then otherize them to say they're not my brother
0: Hmm. or sister in Christ? That's a lot to think about, David.
2: And so that's why we need the Holy Spirit working inside of us uh, to be moving in us because at the end of the day, Christ looks at us and we were unlovable, and God died for us and for our sins.
0: Thank you, David. So appreciate you. We'll take a little break. We'll be right back with lots more.
2: Thanks for listening.
0: Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.